Yes, I'd like to welcome you to the next episode of Crosscut Maker Podcast. And it has been a little bit since I've done a podcast. Let's see here. It was April 3rd. And so today is May 15th. So it has been a little bit longer than usual. I have been going three weeks, four weeks. But what I was waiting for, first off, you know, if you've been following this podcast recently, what I do is just prophecy, eschatological updates, whatever you want to call it. Um, prior to been doing the podcast for about three years and I did a lot of topical theology and those podcasts are back there if you want to scroll back but uh, over the past year I just pretty much focused the podcast on uh, eschatological updates and prophecy updates and how the current events seem to be indicating that we are indeed approaching the end of the age and uh, so I've been doing that you, I think this is either 15 or 16 I think it's 15 and but anyway, so I just but I just kind of do them when I feel like enough information has been or enough events have happened to make a significant uh, podcast. And what I was waiting for was honestly the Israeli elections were held in late March, and um, I was waiting for the resolution of those. Where first the uh, mandate was given to Netanyahu, and he failed to. Uh, form a coalition, and so it was given over to the liberal um, wing of it, and the, the two uh, members of Knesset that were supposedly going to be forming a, co- forming a coalition with, was uh, Lapid and uh, Naftali Bennett. So I was just waiting, honestly, to see that occur, because it seemed like they were talking like that was going to almost certainly happen, and I thought that was going to be one of the more significant uh, events as we uh, that would affect on a human level how the tribulation period would begin as I have said this many times I do not believe that Benjamin Netanyahu will be the person or would be the type of person certainly who would sign uh, the seven year tribulation triggering peace agreement so I was waiting on that and it almost seemed like that was about to occur and then all of a sudden of course if you're paying attention at all if this is not just Middle East news is the world news. Is Israel has exploded. They, uh, the Palestinians in the Gaza Strip, primarily, but also even within Israel itself, it's almost like a civil war environment going on. Um, where even as I speak to right now, I just saw a Twitter alert just a little while ago that more rockets are being fired into Israel, and Israel is uh, it seems to me and seems to everybody that they're mounting up for a ground invasion into the Gaza Strip, which would be a significant thing. And so that kind of flipped everything. I already had a note here to talk about before all that happened, riots and rockets in Jerusalem, because there was already a lot of action going on there. A lot of uh, riots going on, um, and there were some rockets being fired. But it on Monday um, of, let's see here, Monday of this week, it really exploded, where just Generally speaking, what happened was, you know, a lot of things that tied in together. There was, you know, Ramadan, and then there was a, a holiday where the Jews celebrated the unification of Jerusalem, and that fell on the same day, and then you had the temple, then you had some riots kind of lingering over on the Temple Mount, and the uh, Israeli police force came in there, and they removed the Arabs, a lot of them physically, and that's what triggered kind of everything to explode. That's when the rockets started flying in a heavy way. And then, of course, Israel is forced to respond. Um, they have to defend their people. 
and so it's been but ever since then this has been almost a week now of incredible uh, incredible violent action going on over there so that is the that is the uh, big elephant in the room since then and that just is a recent thing but uh, that does appear, appear to have affect the uh, coalition that was on its way to be built where I just saw a day or two ago that Naftali Bennett has pulled out of his negotiations or intentions of forming a coalition with the uh, left, center-left um, members of Knesset that seemed like all but a certainty. So we'll just have to wait on that and see what happens with the Israeli elections. Right now, it's the last of their concern. They're probably, in, in, within Israel, worried about uh, survival because it's incredible going on. And then you have now some sporadic rockets coming from the north and you have a couple coming from Syria and so it's it could escalate into a pretty big deal over there and so that is the top almost only uh, point of discussion now because it's so big but I will mention the other things that I had notated before that all happened um, I saw some news on you know of course everybody's getting vaccinated and it's, it's strange different parts of the world the United States seems like the things are actually going back to reasonably normal. Um, yesterday, the CDC uh, said that fully vaccinated people could not wear masks in almost any situation and not social distance, which is a shock to most people. Um, and then other places in the world, you, it seems like it's worse than ever. And so it's COVID has been a mysterious thing. Um, but anyway, whatever vaccine, you know, and they probably will come up with a vaccine credential initiative or a vaccine passport platform. And I saw this uh, lady talking, who was an expert on this, uh, talking about how once that thing was established, that, that if you did get some kind of a, a global digital platform to verify a vaccine, and you probably will someday, if the Lord tarries that those things can easily be adjusted on the back end to control any aspect of life. So that you'd be getting a system that could be adjusted to uh, dictate any aspect, not just the medical, not whether you've been vaccine, vaccinated, but it could, obviously could be financial. And that would, of course, tie into how the mark of the beast would come about in the tribulation period, where there will be a way that you would have to associate your allegiance and worship to the Antichrist, or you cannot buy or sell anything. And a lot of people believe, and I'm one of them, that you'd probably this is probably going to involve technology, where you'd, in order to uh, enforce that, you would have to have some kind of a platform like this in place. Now, again, I've said this many times: vaccine is not the mark of the beast. Vaccine credential initiatives not mark of the beast. Nothing's the mark of the beast. You can't have the mark of the beast without a beast. We're not in the tribulation period, so we don't have a beast. And so the beast is the one who makes the seven-year peace, peace agreement with Israel and the nations that triggers the tribulation period. Then you'll know who the Antichrist is if you're here. And I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, but we'll set that aside. But that, that's when the Antichrist will be able to be identified. But even at that point, you won't have to take the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast comes at the midpoint of that seven-year time period. So there's no mark of the beast right now. There's no beast right now. But anyway, my point is, is that platform could be used to uh, have that come into place when that time does that time does come. And since the, my last podcast, there have been major volcanic eruptions. They kind of died down over the past couple weeks, at least what I'm hearing about them. 
uh, there have been major volcanic eruptions and of course that would fit into the birth pangs of uh, earthquakes and natural global uh, weather events that have been occurring in an increasing fashion. My next note was riots and rockets in Jerusalem just to deal with what was going on back then. But Ed will talk a little bit more uh, as we go along here. But there were already significant riots going on in Israel, but in particular Jerusalem. And then uh, not only the Israeli elections, the Palestinian Authority elections were postponed. Were, well, they were set to happen in June. But then there was some kind of conflict with in East Jerusalem whether or not Israel was going to let the Arabs vote there. I don't know how all that works, but anyway, the conflict or that dis dispute was not resolved. So, the, so, of course, Abbas, who every indication was that he was going to lose, Mahmoud Abbas, who's the current, and I don't know how long he's been there, but he's been there quite a while. But he was set to lose to Hamas to actually take political control. Now, Hamas is already in control in a large way in the, in the Gaza Strip anyway, in the Palestinian Authority. Everybody knows that. So Abbas is kind of just a, almost a figurehead right now. But, and so he was set to lose those elections. So he used that opportunity, a lot of people think, uh, to, as an excuse to cancel those elections. And I think a lot of people, even in the international community, were pleased to see that because Israel, and this is kind of what we'll talk about, the importance of what's going on right now with the conflict, is that Israel would never make a peace agreement with Hamas because Hamas doesn't want and Hamas would never either they're set to destroy Israel they don't believe Israel has a right to even exist so they're they're not they're terrorists they're not political people they're not and they'll it's pretty clear on that and so it would have been a horrible thing in regard to uh, peace in the Middle East if Hamas would have been able to take political control through an election of the Palestinian Authority but that was postponed so I thought that was important in and of itself because as Abbas is certainly, obviously he's been there for a long time and he has made absolutely no uh, no gain towards peace, uh, peace agreement with Israel. I mean, he's, I'm not saying he is somebody who's seeking genuine peace. I don't think he is, but he's not a terrorist like, uh, like, the, like Hamas is, which that would be an impossible thing to negotiate Israel and Hamas. And so that's really where I think the importance of this conflict is, is that since all of these rockets have flown, and, and the international community has been calling for a ceasefire, and Israel is going to have absolutely nothing to do with a ceasefire. They, are, they have decided now and set to destroy Hamas. They're, they're not in this now to go back to where it was last Sunday before all this thing exploded they are they had they they've, they've kind of seen this thing building anyway but this and this is they knew that they have this iron they have iron the iron dome system that intersects a lot of rockets but they've always known and everybody's always known that if you fly enough rockets they can't catch them all they get like 90 percent of them 95 percent of them but if you fire 100 200 at a time then you can see five ten of them get through and they've got heavy duty rockets now that can do, and it has done a lot of damage. It's killed, sadly, I think up, I think ten now, eight or ten uh, Jewish citizens. And of course, there's been a lot of, sadly, uh, people in the Gaza Strip, Palestinians die from the corresponding air, air strikes from Israel. 
every death is sad um, but they've realized that they could be overwhelmed by rocket fire if they fired enough and that's what they've done and they've got a lot more it's incredible how many rockets they have there I've heard the number of 30,000 rockets and they could continue to do this for several months and that would do that would do a lot of damage to Israel so they're not going to let that happen. They're they're ignoring everybody's call for a ceasefire. And they are set, and they're very likely going to do a ground invasion very soon, maybe even today, where they're going to go in there, and they're going to not only destroy their weapons, I think they're going to try and take out Hamas completely. So their thinking is um, not just to put a Band-Aid on this right now. Go ahead, and, go ahead and take a knife, cut out the cancer, and so the problem won't pop up in two weeks from now. And I think that is a significant development that I had not thought about when it comes to the tribulation triggering agreement. Now we've had the Abraham Accords, we've got the negotiations going on with Iran, we've got, um, and we've got the Palestinian issue. And I've always thought, have thought for some time, that the Palestinian issue would kind of be the final nail in the tribulation agreement coffin so to speak is that that's the issue that as much peace that was being made with United Arab Emirates and with um, you know the Bahrain and the other Abraham Accord nations and also Saudi Arabia was very close so there's a whole lot of peace talk going there now I don't know how all this is going to affect that it's because they've all those moderate Arab nations have kind of been condemning Israel for what they're doing right now. So who knows how that's going to affect that. But I thought that was significant. And I thought that was a huge part of uh, the process, and I still do, that the Abraham Accords would end up being certainly part of what the Antichrist would roll into, or that he would... Uh, adjust and confirm to the seven-year peace agreement, but I thought the issue that was out there that needed to be resolved in order for that to happen is the Palestinian issue. And so I do believe the Daniel 9:27 covenant will likely encompass and resolve all three of those: the Abraham Accords, the JCPOA, the, the negotiation with Iran, and the Palestinian issue, because those are the three big Middle East peace uh, problems, I guess you could say. And so. I just think that with Hamas being there, that that was an impossibility, and I didn't see that. And so, um, I do see this, every, everything going on right now, in my opinion, I've said this every time I do a podcast, is really began to pay attention to believing that we are very close to the end of the age, to the tribulation period. And I really rarely talk about the rapture of the church, uh, you know, I've talked more in general about what you can see, and that is stage setting for the tribulation. You can't see the stage setting for the rapture. The rapture is a signless, instantaneous event. It is a, it'll be, in my opinion, the final global birth pang that will cause the environment that the Antichrist comes into and wraps all of these current issues together into a peace agreement for seven years involving Israel. But that's a signless event, the rapture is. But I think that's the hidden accelerant to the tribulation period. But we don't, we can't see that. We can't know when that's coming. And I've said this too: is that as we get, as the more I see us heading towards the tribulation period. And again, if you're interested in more detail, uh, the website that I do this on, I update more frequently than I do podcasts by far, is eoa-indicators.simplesite.com. 
with EOA dash indicators INDIC ATORS dot symbol site dot com and that's S I M P L E S I T E dot com. That's where I put just kind of the up, updated things as I see them, and I update them that maybe once or twice a month, depending on what happens. But that's kind of the broad thing I've been watching over the past couple of years, just everything in general, you know. And there's eight things you know talk about. You know what we're talking about mainly today is a push for a peace deal, Israel a nation. Obviously, you have to have that first. Uh, you have the, the strong surge for global governance caused by, the, uh, mostly caused by the COVID-19 that had been going on before that. A push for one unified religion, seemingly being led by Pope Francis. And of course, Russia, Turkey, and Iran all growing in power, forming alliances and showing aggression towards Israel. That's another thing, real quick. I'll note is that. Uh, Erdogan, that guy, he, uh, man, I don't know, something about him, uh, rubs me the wrong way, but, um, he, uh, he has said things before pretty boldly, like, Jerusalem belongs to Turkey and we will take it, and that, that's an incredible statement from a leader of a NATO nation, so this is not some, it's not Iran, this is not Palestinian, this is not Hamas, this is not Hezbollah saying, this is a leader of a NATO nation saying something like that, and that was a while back, but he also, um, uh, what did he say the other day, he, well, first he, he told, oh, he called Israel a terrorist state, and again, that is, a, that is an incredible thing for a leader of a NATO nation to say, and he also uh, told Russia's Putin that an international protection force should be considered to defend the Palestinians. Of course, that's his reaction to what's going on here. So you see, there's you know Turkey and Russia and Iran are the three key countries that are part of the Ezekiel 38-39 war. So that's in section number five there on the website, and it goes into all that. But that is again the timing on the Ezekiel war. My thoughts are that it's actually after the tribulation agreement, so it's in the tribulation period. Something people think it's before it, um, but I think it's towards the end of the first half of the tribulation period. But I won't go into that right now. And obviously, necessary technology we mentioned that a little bit earlier in order to have the mark of the beast, and uh, and also technology has already essentially made globalism an electronic reality. That is to say that we don't have a global government right now, but we have a global world because of technology. You can interact with just about any, anybody on the planet now through social media instantly. And then the last one I mentioned is a renewed interest by the Jewish people for the third temple to be built. Now, there's been, there was a lot of progress on that with, with the deals with Saudi Arabia and the discussions that control the Temple Mount. They didn't make a deal with Saudi Arabia, but they've been talking and... And the Arab, uh, the Abraham Accords, I think, really have. There was a, a lot of talk about the moderate Arabs thinking it would be okay for the Jews to build the third temple on the Temple Mount next to the Dome of the Rock. Well, you know, again, with this this conflict going on now, you can see how volatile that is. It all started on the Temple Mount. This this explosion of violence, and so there's that. There will be a third temple, and very likely, very soon. I've always thought that it will be part of that seven year tribulation deal that that'll be the piece of the that'll be the that'll be like the carrot that the that finally will get Israel to come on board is they'll get their third temple and that'll be a big and uh, motivation for them to sign this agreement 
but there will be a third temple during the tribulation period. Now, that may be being built the first half, and then the animal sacrifices. We just know this. There's a third temple with animal sacrifices occurring at the midpoint of the tribulation period. That's what we know, because that's what the, the abomination of desolation is when the Antichrist, who made the seven-year deal, turns on Israel halfway through, seats himself in the temple that is built, cuts off the animal sacrifices, and claims himself to be God. And that's when everything breaks into the Great Tribulation, the worst time in human history. So we know there will be a third temple. So that's kind of the last thing that I talk about there, and then I go into uh, about the hidden accelerant of the rapture of the church. There will be, in my opinion, again, I'm 95% pre-trib on the rapture. I mean, that means the rapture will happen before the tribulation period. Other people think that it could happen at the midpoint, that the Christians will see the peace agreement, go halfway through, and then the abomination, the desolation triggers the great tribulation, they, that's when they'll be raptured. And there's others who believe at the end of the tribulation period is when he's raptured at the return, the physical return of Jesus Christ to the earth. He's raptured and then he comes back down. And I, I think you can make, in my opinion, I'm, like I said, I'm 95% before the tribulation period. I do think it is, it's not only precedes it, but it, it causes the environment to cause the peace agreement, the seven-year trigger, tribulation triggering peace agreement to come into play. In other words, it's the hidden accelerant. But I do, if, if I, I'm not 100%, I'm not dogmatic on that. And I've, I used to be 99, now I'm 95. Still pretty sure, but not, I leave room. I think scripturally you can make a, you can make a scriptural argument for post-trib at the end when he returns. I don't see anything with a mid-trib, but like I said, I'm not, I don't get overly concerned with that. I'm, I'm pretty convinced about the pre-trib rapture, and so that would be... Well, with all of these things that we can see, that's something we cannot see that would cause all of these things that we can see being set. And I'm, I'm saying, this is what I'm saying. If you go to my website, the first paragraph talks about things are teed up right now for the tribulation period on a human level, what you need. And I go through the steps there on the website. But what you can't see is, in my opinion, the, the just the final birth pain, the final accelerant that causes all these things to happen, and that is the glorification and removal of Jesus Christ's true church. And I think there there's a trumpet blast, and I think the world will hear it, and I think there will be Christians disappeared, and it'll be an incredible event, which will cause chaos and anarchy, and then on top of all of these other things we have going on, and then along comes the solution, the man with the solution. So that's the website. I would highly encourage you if you are interested in this. That's where I, you know, I'd pay more attention to that. And then my podcast, like I said, I, did, I don't, know, I don't know how many people listen to it um, through different. I, I post it at the bottom of some advertisements and some things. But that's where I keep updated the most. And that's eoa-indicators.simplesite.com. But returning to uh, what we're talking about here, and a few other notes here before I talk about uh, a little bit more about what's going on currently. Um, a couple weeks ago, on a, a religious holy day that the Jews celebrate called... Oh, I can't remember what it is. Uh, where I, it was a tragedy that happened. They, a bunch of Orthodox Jews got together at this place, and it was so jam tight that the some things... I don't know exactly what caused people to start getting out, but I guess it was just getting too crowded. And I think it was like 40 or 45 people got trampled to death at this event. Oh, let's see what I can, if I can find. 
figure out what that was called. Um, uh, I don't have it right here. I had searched it, but anyway, you probably had heard about that. It was, it was a. Oh, let me search this real quick. Uh, where? It was a couple weeks ago. And it was the big, it was a worldwide event. Uh, no, that's not it. All right, here we go. This is it. It was at Mount Moran. It was a religious festival. And it was called L-A-G-B-O-M-E-R. And I can't remember exactly what, I've actually read through this, but it, obviously I don't remember. But it's at least 45 people were crushed to death overnight on Friday at a, you know, this festival. And so that was a humongous, I mean, obviously a tragedy. And, but anyway, it is not a good event, okay, from a biblical Christian perspective, where they, it says tens of thousands of ultra-Orthodox Jews, they thronged to the Galilee tomb of a 2nd century sage Rabbi Shimon bar L-Y-O-C-H-A-I for annual Lagba Omer commemorations that include all night prayer, mystical songs, and dance. So a lot of mysticism and a lot of, and obviously they're not praising Jesus Christ. But what I noted about that, which I didn't, I didn't really know, uh, realize this until a week or two later when I was watching a video of that and what they were singing, and that what they were singing is about their Messiah. They were, they were talking, they were singing about their soon-to-come Messiah and that they're expecting him very soon. And, and that's incredible. Because here's the deal. Their true Messiah is Jesus Christ. They don't know it yet. Obviously, those people are in idolatry. They're in unbelief and idolatry. But they're expecting a coming Messiah soon. They recognize it. So if you look at the Old Testament and you see... Like what we're talking about, a lot of people who only uh, view the Old Testament as the Word of God, you can still read Ezekiel and see. All right, well, this is a latter-day invasion, and you can see the stage being set for that, or you can see other things coming where they're expecting their Messiah to come and conquer. Of course, that's what that's one of the reasons they turned on Jesus Christ when he came the first time, is they expected him to free them from the Romans. They didn't, they didn't understand that first. They needed salvation from their sins, and that's what he came for the first time. And so, they're expecting a conquering king. And now that everything's going nuts in the world, and in particular in the Middle East, they are, what happens when you get in distress, you seek, you look up. Of course, they're not looking to the true God, but they're looking for their Messiah, who they reject right now. And so what they're going to receive is they're going to receive an anti-Messiah. They're going to receive the Antichrist. They're going to think that this guy is... I don't know if they'll actually think he's the, the scriptural fulfillment of their Messiah. They, some of them might. I don't think he's going to be a Jew, though. So I don't know how they would, they would process that. But regardless, whoever the Antichrist is, is going to be viewed as a, almost like a world saver and certainly a friend of Israel and a solution to their problems to the point, to the degree that they will 
surrender their arms, I think, because I think that they, that's the one thing that makes them vulnerable to him is that they, part of this agreement is he defends them. So you see a savior attitude there. But what happens at the, anyway, at the midpoint when he does claim to be God, you know, that's when they actually recognize that he, this guy was not for them, but against them, but not to go down that rabbit trail. So they are expecting a Messiah. Along comes this guy to solve all their problems. They'll, they'll, they'll at least think on a military and political level that the Antichrist is their solution. Um, but what the reality of that is that, in, that it sends them into the time of Jacob's trouble, the, the, uh, the, uh, the Daniel's 70th week, and they have to go through the, the worst time in human history for, for a nation, in, that, in particular that second half, where then finally they actually will receive their Messiah at the end of the tribulation period. When they actually, they're in complete ruin, complete despair, about to be wiped out, and that's when they truly believe in Jesus Christ, and he, he regenerates, obviously he regenerates them first, and they believe that he returns to save them physically. But their anticipation of a Messiah I thought was significant. The fact they were singing about that, I didn't realize that that's what they were singing about when they were, you know, if you watch the video, they're waving back and forth. I mean, these people are so jammed in there. That's why the tragedy happened is there was too many people. And, uh, but I thought that was incredible. And I, that's not the first time I've heard a lot of people anticipating their Messiah. And it's kind of uh, exciting, but it's also kind of uh, angering because obviously I know for sure that they, their Messiah has already come and all they have to do is, is believe on him and he will return. But they're still in unbelief, and, and I know they'll also be in unbelief until the end of the tribulation period. So I know there's no hope for them to nationally believe until they have to go through the uh, tribulation period first, sadly. But I thought that was significant. And then one other side note is Vice President Harris asked the United Nations to help with the U.S. border. Of course, the U.S. border has been a humongous problem in the South, and not to get too political about it, but... To the point where I heard, I saw a headline at least the other day that that Biden is going to allow the border that border wall that he had stopped to to begin to be uh, finished there. There was a little section of that that Trump had didn't get to before he got uh, before Biden came in, and then Biden just stopped everything. And now that's gone so bad down there that I think he's having to reverse some of that because he's looking very bad with that. I mean, if you just don't have, if you just don't have, uh, everybody can just come in. They will. And so that has been a bad thing. But anyway, I thought it was significant that Harris is asking the United Nations to help with the U.S. border instead of, you know, that's their ideology. The left in, in this administration is they believe they're globalists. They don't believe in national solutions. They believe in global solutions. And I think the, I have a thought for this for a long time. And, then that, and also on Sunday, the United Nations is going to meet to address the Palestinian-Israel um, I guess you could call it a war conflict, and they're going to need to address that as well. So I've always thought the United Nations is going to be the, the central core of the global government of the tribulation period, that the Antichrist will rule, starting at least, from the United Nations. I don't know exactly how that processes itself out. I think it goes from, you have a 10-person, ten 10-leader, coalition and three of them are taken out and then one of them i think there's a new one that comes along who wasn't part of the first 10 and he's the one that that people will you know that will will call on to 
solve everybody's problems. He makes the peace deal. He is the Antichrist. Uh, but I've thought it would core in the United Nations. That's what I've thought for quite a while now. Because it's a global governing body, so-called, um, that is available right now. And, I, and, I, and they talk about global government all the time in the United Nations. And so I thought Harris asking that was significant. So those were the things I was going to talk about, and I just did. But also, like I said, the big deal going on right now is... Uh, the next birth pang, in my opinion, is the Israel-Palestinian conflict. Because this thing looks like it's going to go on for a while. I thought the big event was going to be Netanyahu being ousted. And he still may be. still probably will be, in my opinion. I don't think he's the one who makes, his, makes the deal with the Antichrist. But we'll see how that political... That's just kind of been put on hold now. So we'll have to wait and see. And I thought... At least everything I'm hearing is that Israel is not planning on stopping this anytime soon. They're going to thoroughly destroy Hamas, which, again, I think is the now the significant. That's a significant thing that I did not see that needed to happen in order for a uh, true Middle East peace agreement that the Antichrist will make to wrap it all up because Hamas would never have made a... Uh, that's why it hasn't happened now up until this point. There's, and Israel doesn't even waste time negotiating with the Palestinians right now because Hamas is the one who controls them. And they, they don't want to negotiate. They want to destroy Israel. And so I think now we'll wait and see if Israel does ground, you know, do a ground invasion and absolutely wipe out Hamas. But they're going to have to watch their northern flank and they're going to have to watch their northeastern flank uh, with Syria and, you know, because Iran controls a lot of these are all a lot of these are proxies of Iran and so they've got their fingerprints all over this and so there's a connection between Hezbollah and Hamas and so we'll see how aggressive that gets but here's what I'll say you know on a, on a human level it looks like man oh man how could Israel survive any of this and if you just look at the map of where Israel is and who's around them you, you always think and again to me as a testimony to the Lord God of Israel who's the true God and he's the one, he's in control now of this. And so he's only going to allow exactly what is according to his purpose to set the stage for the next, in my opinion, the, the uh, end of biblical events and the return of Jesus Christ. And he, his, my point is he's in control of all of this. So I don't worry, I never have worried about Israel's extinction because it will not happen. Israel is where Jesus Christ lands. And so nobody's going to fly a nuclear weapon into Israel. There's not, there's not going to be anything that would devastate them. But on a human level, it does look, I don't, you know, if you're a Jew in unbelief living in Israel, I don't know how you'd even sleep at night because everywhere around you is, is threatened now with even within you, with the, uh, with the uh, Arab-Israeli citizens versus the Jewish-Israeli citizens and basically just, you know, haven't, there's lynch mobs and just violence all over within Israel. So it's just an incredible situation. So we should pray for their peace. We should pray, most importantly, for their salvation. And we should pray for their protection. But God will protect them. God will, he's, he's working his plan out perfectly. And so we can trust in him for that. And so that is the update that I have. And I always end up closing these with a gospel presentation because all of these things are intriguing and I certainly think and I'll say this, that we live in incredible times and if you're a Christian and this is why I do this is, is 
is to uh, in mostly to just and just it's mind-boggling that we are living very likely I'm almost almost certainly and again I always say this I don't know what I watch is is what I believe with almost certainty is the stage God's stage setting for the tribulation period almost certainly but I'm not certain because only God knows and could everything kind of resolve itself and then 2,000 years later God does what he's going to do with the tribulation absolutely there's no I mean if that's what but I just see I'm almost certain that this is these are birth pangs that are accelerating and every day I become more convinced just looking for the next thing but we live in exciting times and again this is all as easy for me and I do this almost every day is get wrapped up in the events get my heart wrapped up in the events of the uh, the you know stage setting for the tribulation period because it is exciting but it is also obviously frightening but it's about Jesus Christ this is about the glory of Jesus Christ and you always have to as a Christian look beyond these events and think about the return of Christ, or else you become hopeless if you look at the world right now. And so if you are listening to this, and you're not a Christian, I always end with a 30-second biblical gospel presentation. One day we will all face the one true and living holy God, and you need to have your sins forgiven and be reconciled to Him before that occurs. In God's great love, He has mercifully made a way. And that only happens biblically, by repentance. See, it's, it's important to understand what repentance is. It is a confession of your sinfulness and hopelessness from your heart to God. It's not a stopping, I'm going to stop sinning so I can be right with God. That's not what repentance is. It is, a, it is a recognition that you can't do that. You're hopeless. You've got no hope. You're guilty. And you can't change yourself. You can't do it. You're just declaring spiritual bankruptcy. That's it. You're not saying, well, if I'm a thief, I'm going to stop stealing. And if I'm a Adulterer, I must stop committing adultery. If I'm a coveter or an idolater, I must stop doing that so I can be right with God. That's not salvational repentance. It's saying, I'm an adulterer. I'm an idolater. I'm a thief. And i got no hope. I'm guilty. I'm hopeless. I can't change myself. I can't stop doing these things. I need help. I need salvation. So you see, I hope you see the difference there. In faith, believing the gospel. That is who Jesus Christ is. He's truly man and the one true God. Can't, anything short of that have to believe that he is man and God because he is can't believe he's just a good moral teacher can't I was interacting with the Muslim online the other day and you know they peace every time they say his name peace be upon him but they don't believe he's God so that's why Islam is a false religion um, and trusting only in his redemptive work so repentance leads you to turn away from your own works and to trust in his work and that was his perfect sinless life death on a cross for the sins of sinners, and resurrection for your salvation. If you genuinely do this, you will be instantly and permanently covered by the righteousness of Christ, and he will have been treated as if he committed all of your past, present, and future sins. So there's the double exchange that happens at genuine salvation. As you get his life, he was treated as if he committed your sin. But if you refuse the offer of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will be judged according to your works, and unless you have lived without even one sin like Christ will end in eternal conscious condemnation. The biblical truth that a lot of people don't know and are shocked to learn sometimes is that God requires perfect righteousness. Perfect. Not one sin of thought. You're damned for one sin of thought. That's it. It's over. God's holiness is perfect and His standard is perfect. Hence, Christ. I mean, when I was, before I was a 
before I was born again, my idea of Christianity, at least for a while, was outweigh the good, you know, outweigh the good with, you know, do more good than bad. That was kind of, and that's a lot of, a lot of people's thoughts is, I know I do bad things, but I do good things, and I think I'm on the right side. So that's not biblical salvation. It's if you've done one bad thing, and even in your heart, you're done. Eternal condemnation for that one sin of thought. And of course, it's laughable to think that anybody would have just one sin of thought. It's the truth, of, the biblical truth is that anybody who's unconverted, that's all they do is sin, inwardly and outwardly. And the only reason they don't do more outward sins is because God's common restraint keeps them from doing that. Whether it be approval of their parents, law, police, you know, whatever it is, the common graces of God that keeps them from doing more external sins, that's the only thing that restrains the the unregenerate heart. So, I pray you realize, if you are not a believer in Christ, that that's the offer on the table. you got to be perfect on your own, or you receive Christ's perfect righteousness. There's no in-between. There's no, I'll take a little bit of Christ and a little bit of me. That's what my primary problem with the Roman Catholic religion is. They have a false gospel. Is not saved by faith alone, not trusting in Christ's work alone, you got to have some of your own merit. Whatever your merit is, it's tainted with sin, it will disqualify you. You cannot depend upon anything you bring to the table. Anything. It has to be all Christ or all you. There is no blend there. There's no grace works, you know, Romans 11, 6. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Why? Because otherwise grace is no longer grace. Grace is mercy. But if you say, well, all right, I'll receive mercy, but I also want to do my own thing. I want to add some merit. Well, merit and mercy are contradictory. You don't, you don't get mercy if you think you can earn it. So you, I just hope you see that clear distinction between mercy and merit or grace and works. They're, they're incompatible. And that's, that's the stumbling block of the cross is to come to the point where you realize you're ruined. Pride will send more people to hell than immorality. Self-righteousness will send more people to hell than homosexuality. That's a fact. Because that is the one sin of most people is that you can't get over is to come to the conclusion that you are wretched and you deserve eternal damnation. But everybody does. Everybody does. Alright, well I hope this has been helpful. Like I said, who knows when I'll always hear at the end of this each podcast, I think this might be the last. Because the rapture might occur. Or... Lord willing, uh, you know, might be a couple weeks, might be this time it was six weeks. Seems like it keeps going longer and longer, but I do, I, I probably will do one if and when the Israeli elections get resolved. That would be a significant issue and maybe see how the uh, current conflict, if that gets resolved, that would be worth addressing. So I thank you very much for tuning in and until next time, may Christ be known.